He said people do all the hooting and hollering to get you brought in just to leave. <laughs> LOL. Like people weird, yo. The internet got these dudes doing whatever for attention. Even when they tell you S-H-I-T, they don't believe themselves. Who's he talking about? <laughs> Boy in a dress. I mean, there's so many sub subs in one tweet you can have, but. <laughs> you are now listening to the Duo Sports and Stuff Podcast. Here are your hosts, Deontay Epps and Dane Beasley. Hello, and welcome to episode 21 of the duo sports and stuff podcast. My name is Deontay Epps joined by my brother, Dane Beasley and Dane. We are at episode 21. My guy, do you, mm. can, can you name like your favorite 21 uh, number in sports? Like, well, that's easy. <laughs> it's easy. Let me see. See if I'm a guess. You're probably not going to guess it right, but m- the number one that I'm going with uh, right now is prime time. Yep. I, I knew you were going to say. Okay, yeah. cool, 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 cool. And the second was going to be Zeke, but yep. prime time is number one. <laughs> this is our prime time podcast episode. All right, who's yours? Uh, I would go Dion as well. Honestly, okay, so I would go Dion. Yep, pretty much. Because they don't have any amazing cornerbacks uh, from the Broncos franchise that you could name. Uh, I mean, aside from Chant Bailey, I'm looking at my Chant Bailey. Yeah, boy, <laughs> better respect. <laughs> better respect, my guy. Yeah, episode yeah, yeah. 21 of the Duo Sports and Stuff podcast. We appreciate all of the first-time listeners. For sure. Welcome. The continued listeners that tune in and listen to what we have to say, man. Hey, y'all welcome we to. Have, yeah, we have a lot of topics to cover. Yeah, Just to give way. you guys a little preview, we got sports coming back, live sports, man. We'll get a little bit. feel real. That, man, four months Without sports, it's like even when during the summertime, Dane, when there's no sports besides baseball, like we're not the biggest baseball fans. But when opening day came this this year, I I tuned in. I didn't tune in from opening pitch to closing pitch, but like just to have live sports on TV was amazing. Glued in front of the TV for hours and hours watching that WNBA. NBA, but we'll get into that. We also talk about the NFL, NFLPA finally mm-hmm. deciding and agreeing on they tried them. protocols. You Ooh. said what now? They tried them. They tried them. <laughs> they tried to hit them with an okie doke. I, I posted uh, the gif of the guy making that one face. Uh, I, do you know where that's from? You know what tweet I was talking about when I said uh, the NFL had a 28-3 lead on COVID? Oh, yeah, yeah. Just conceded during a rap battle. Yes. Okay, yeah. That tweet. Yeah. So I tweeted uh, NFL had a 28-3 lead on COVID. I'm going to re-retweet that. <laughs> Undo retweet, retweet. Uh, okay, yeah, we'll get we'll get into the NFL-NFL PA deal as well as Jamal Adams finally getting what he wants, getting traded yeah. from the Jets to the Seahawks. Mm, mm, and then mm. we'll have a little nuggets about the Washington football team, as they'll be called that this season, and a bunch of other topics. But 
as I mentioned before, sports is finally back. And I was Thank glued in Lord. front of the TV. My uh, my mom and dad came to stay at night, uh, Friday night. Mm-hmm. And my dad and I watched WNBA, which uh, tipped off Saturday morning. And it wow. was it was powerful. And I read a tweet that said that out of all the leagues, you know, WNBA has always been the one, the forefront as far as using their platform and most progressive. Um, being progressive in social media, not social media, social justice and being on the forefront of what using their platform means. So they've always been progressive, like you said. And did you happen to catch any sports action and anything like that? Caught a little bit here and there, trying not to get too involved because I know everybody's trying to knock the rust off. (laughs) So, you know, I watched a little bit of the Lakers and the Mavs game. Watched a little bit of some highlights from the WNBA game. And I seen a bunch of um, hits from uh, baseball. Am I missing any sports? Um, I think that's it. Uh, It's just a little bit minimal. But it's like that anytime sports, you know, without, you know, pandemic going on outside, I always try to ease into it. I don't try to watch a lot when it first opens up because it's like you're going to get annoyed because of, you know, they're trying to knock the rust off. So, you know, especially with, you know, not being in action for a while, it was great to see players on the floor. And if you didn't happen to catch some WNBA action, there was a powerful statement by um, Brianna Stewart, the Storm and the Liberty played. And so before the game, Brianna Stewart and Lashea Clarendon from the Liberty both made a powerful statement about uh, Brianna Taylor. So I'm going to play that right now and uh, let you guys hear it. We are dedicating this season to Brianna Taylor, an outstanding EMT who was murdered over 130 days ago in her home. Brianna Taylor was dedicated and committed to uplifting everyone around her. We are also dedicating this season to Say Her Name campaign, a campaign committed to saying the names and fighting for justice for black women. Black women who are so often forgotten in this fight for justice, who do not have people marching in the streets for them. We will say her name. Sandra Bland, Atiana Jefferson, Dominique Remy Fells, and Brianna Taylor. We will be a voice for the voiceless. And now we will observe a moment of recognition for Brianna Taylor for 26 seconds, the age she was when she was killed. So that's how they started the game. Mm-hmm. Like I could only imagine like the family of Brianna Taylor. And I've, I've watched the um, Holly Rowe was a sideline reporter and they were talking about how the players reached out to her family to make sure this was okay, which she okayed it and stuff like that. But um, even the players in the NBA with their post-game and post-practice interviews, when they're answering questions, they're stating, we want the cops arrested that killed Breonna Taylor. And so mm-hmm. their commitment to using their platforms is something I admire. I feel like that's something a lot of players were hesitant to come back to sports during this time because everything going on with you know, Black Lives Matter, and they wanted to make sure if they did come back on the court that they would make a statement. And notions like this one and what LeBron came out and said in his post-game conference, I know a lot of other players like Russell Westbrook, 
Marcus Smart of the Celtics came out and made powerful statements. I also watched the Arena Dane with uh, Charles Barkley and Draymond Green, and mm. he had Charles Barkley had an interesting point, and I'm gonna kind of ask this question to you. He had mentioned that he wonders how how fans will take it as far as these players making these statements because a lot of fans come to watch sports to get away from reality. Mm -hmm. How do you feel about, in your opinion, about players using their platform, you know, instead of, you know, like, okay, sticking to sports. I think it's necessary. And once the one thing we have to do a better job of is recognizing and appreciating those who have done it and been doing it so it doesn't get drowned out by, you know, the most polarizing popular players doing it that one time. And then like, you know, hailing them, these heroes, I mean, they're obviously their heroes still are within their right for using their platform. But when you talk about using your platform and raising awareness about social injustices and people being unjustly killed and matters that are, the elephants in the room that people don't want to talk about, you have to bring up the women from the WNBA and you have to bring up the women from the United States soccer team. Chuck a lot of times Chuck says things that are controversial, right? Mm -hmm. And he hit the nail on the head with this question or this comment, because it is a very controversial thing for a fan to say, I'm stepping away from this particular sport or this particular competition because so-and-so has said something that offended me. And I think that's the first step, acknowledging that it makes you uncomfortable, but going on above that to say, what can I do to ensure that I don't have these biases in the back of my head and act on these biases? The first step would be acknowledging that you have an issue, seeking out and educating yourself, whether that's reaching out to a person or a source so that you can eliminate those biases and be a decent human being. But me as a fan, it doesn't bother me at all. I think it's justified. And two, maybe it's a blind spot that I have. If, if there's an issue that, that comes up and I either haven't heard of it, I have to question why I haven't heard of this, have I been ignoring it, things like that. So I think it's, I don't know. Like you said, I, I agree. I think it's something that should happen, continue to happen in sports. Because these are uncomfortable conversations, but they're conversations that need to be had. They're important things in this world as far as what's right and what's wrong. And, you know, we've seen over the past few months different movements going on with the protests and lives being lost during those protests for lives that were lost in police brutality. So the players made a commitment to using their platform for the right reasons. And I think last podcast, we talked about Deshaun Jackson and the comments he made. And I only refer back to him because I mentioned about players that don't understand what's going on, get more understanding what's going on. And so raising awareness for situations like these are important. And so I think it's great that, you know, the WNBA and NBA are doing that, leading the charge. I think MLB had players kneel, not everyone kneel, but it had players kneel and 
show awareness. I think it's more of an awareness thing than anything with the way players go about showing their um, or using their platform, if that makes sense. Shout out to the WNBA, NBA, MLB starting sports back in, you know, with the Black Lives Matter on the courts, on the field, on the mound. And so it'll be a everlasting and long lasting fight to, you know, continue to bring awareness to what's going on in the world, bring awareness to justice because, you know, Breonna Taylor's killers are still free. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the players continue to do that, which I think they will, man. So the NFL and the NFLPA made a shot at the buzzer. They made a shot at the buzzer. They finally agreed to health protocols regarding COVID-19 so the players can finally get to camp. Yeah, it got kind of dicey. Very dicey. Leading up to it. I mean, between all the players coming out and going at the throat to these owners within several hours on Twitter, I've never seen so many of those players agree about the same thing. Like that was the most unified we've seen them in a long time. Right. They they had all if if you're unaware, the players came out with certain tweets um with the hashtag we wanna play, basically putting the pressure on the NFL to mm-hmm. do what was right and get this deal done. So this article from ESPN states the NFL Players Association Board of Representatives on Friday approved a plan that will have NFL training camp open as scheduled next week. The league held a meeting with coaches, general managers, presidents, and ownership Friday, and it concluded with clubs approving new training camp and roster rules, protocols for operations during the coronavirus pandemic, and economics. Players Board of Representatives voted to adopt a proposed, the proposed changes to the collective bargaining agreement by a count of 29 to 3, according to a statement from the NFLPA. So, Dane, do you think that the players tweeting that the deal needed to be done so they could play, put more pressure on the NFL? Or do you always think they wanted to wait until, you know, they had months and months to get this deal done. Why wait to the very end to get it done? I think as an NFL ownership and leadership wanted to see what they can get away with first before they were strong armed and saying, you know what, maybe trying to pit the players against themselves and strong arm them and tell them we're not going to pay them. Maybe that's not going to work. <laughs> maybe this could backfire. Uh, so when they seen when they seen that the uh, the NFL players they were they weren't backing down. I think they kind of had to acknowledge that pressure that that was that was being put on them and make the necessary changes, revisions, and and get that thing approved or submit something, offer something that should be approved. Because once they it's one thing to put something on paper, but it's another thing to put something on paper that you know is going to be spread to the public. So I'm not going to give them a pat on the back for doing something they should have been doing, but shout out to the, the NFL players for sticking together and shout out to the NFL PA for once <laughs> for having the back. Yeah. And so uh, kind of breaking down the deal itself, there are many like obligations and protocols as far as testing goes, but I won't go into that. The important thing I got out of this was the details regarding player opt-outs for the season. So if players feel like, 
hey, man, this COVID thing is crazy. I don't feel comfortable playing. I got family members that are high risk. I'm not going to risk this. You know, I'm going to just chill this season until everything gets right. So they have a thing called high-risk opt-outs, all based on the CDC guidelines. And players will receive $250,000 and a credit to move up to minimum salary. A player who voluntarily opts out will receive $150,000 and will play the 2021 season under their 2020 contract. So we actually had a player, Dane, decide, hey, I'm sitting out this season and I'm just going to chill out and see what happens. Yeah. So aside from being normal human beings, many uh, footballers, they have, um, they've already started transitioning or we've seen some of them transition into their secondary careers um, since the NFL has kind of put a shutdown on things. But one in particular, um, I don't think he's, been through residency yet or has the the letters behind his name yet. Um, but Laurent uh, Duvernay Tardif, uh, one of the linemen from the Chiefs, he's been practicing medicine or studying medicine and I guess hopes to practice medicine. So he's been on the front lines with COVID-19 uh, helping out there in Canada, if I'm not mistaken. So he, you know, answered a higher calling or a higher power and decided it was best within his interest to go ahead and do that, which anybody who has a problem with that, there's something wrong with them. In my opinion, um, he could obviously be playing for millions of dollars every Sunday. And he chose not to do that for the sake of humanity, not to say he's going to, you know, discover or create a cure or anything like that, but that's one more doctor that's, you know, assisting and helping on the front lines to slow down this horrible thing that's going on. So yeah, when this happened, I immediately thought of Myron Roll, who if people don't know who Myron Roll is, is one of the yeah, Roll Scholar. He was one of the top draft picks coming out of Florida State safety. And uh he had a I don't know how many years he played, but he uh he had a lot of years left to play and he he retired mm-hmm. early to become a doctor and now yeah. he's on the front lines fighting COVID too. So I I salute these guys, man. And Tardif, he was the starting guard for the Chiefs so mm-hmm. he's not like one of those bench players so on the cusp guys right right he was starting <laughs> on the Super Bowl team so shout out to him I wonder if we'll see any big name stars decide to opt out I don't think we will I think I think of oh go ahead no I was just gonna say I don't think we'll see any big name guys I think this will be the highest you know starter that we'll see the opt out I don't see many players opting out I see a lot of them risking it and you know playing playing ball what do you think yeah the only thing i can think of is people who have high risk family members like newborns or people that might be taking care of their their parents but i don't know i don't want to put anything out there into the the universe to say that that will happen to somebody but i wouldn't be surprised if it happens i won't be it won't piss me off or anything but i can tell that based on comments that have been made so far that it's going to piss people off if they decide to step away from the sport. And on top of that, I would like to acknowledge again, uh, shout out to all the offensive linemen out there. And this, I mean, it's just one guy, but still proves that the, there should be a positive stereotype that is associated with offensive linemen, that they're probably the smartest individuals on all sports. If we're, you know, if we're being, if we're going to 
label an entire professional football or professional sports position, offensive linemen in general are some of the smartest people or intelligent people that you come across, that you will come across. Right. You had mentioned, and you gave me a good segue to this, you had mentioned about players that could opt out if they have high-risk family members. And I didn't get to put this in our notes, Dane. I'm sorry about that. But Robert Griffin, (laughs) (laughs) sorry, Robert Griffin tweeted, uh, tweeted about the deal. And he had said, per sources, under the new deal, players who live with an at-risk family member will have to choose between opting out of the season or deciding to play while living with the at-risk family member or play while living away from the family member for the next six months, possibly. Players can take yeah. opt-out and get paid roughly one-seventh of their salary for vested vets. Opt-out payment is not free money. It is an advance. If you opt-out and do not make the team the next year, player will owe team $150,000. Player who makes week one roster and the season gets canceled after that we will receive a $300,000 stipend minus that what the player has earned that year in paragraph five. So uh, I try to, I try to text him to get him to come on the episode with us and he texted back and still trying to get him on, man, just stay, stay tuned for that. But I thought it was interesting that he had mentioned players who have at risk family member, like if they decide to play, they have to be away from their family for six months. That's got to be something tough to go through. Think about this, Deontay. Like everyone knows what a breadwinner is. You Let's assume that there is a two people that live in a household that are married. One of them makes the most money. The other one makes money, but doesn't make as much as that person, right? The person is called the breadwinner, as, as society has told us. Now just imagine if there is one particular person that lives in a house with their entire family. And they are the breadwinner for the entire family. I'm talking about grown adults. Not because of the unwillingness to to work from family, but maybe there are conditions, maybe poverty has a a stake in it, or maybe there's mental illness associated with it. But for whatever reason, there are a number of individuals in a household that cannot work and they rely on the support either physically or financially from this professional player. That happens way more often than anyone would like to admit. Now there are, of course, there are the situations and circumstances where a person is being used wrongfully by their family and, you know, coerced and manipulated into paying for stuff that does happen, but not to overlook the, it does happen where there are professional players that have to literally take care of their entire family, you know? So that does happen, unfortunately. And the rule that you're talking about, was that the the cohabitant rule? Which one? The someone in your house under the under your roof is at high risk, having to stay apart from them based yes. at the team's expense. Okay. Yes. Okay. I just wanted to double check because there's a lot. Right. I mean, there's a lot of literature, and I say literature it's, because it's literally like you're reading literature facts. about the CDC recommendations, uh, opt outs, and all this what if scenarios. And it's a lot. Or another big point of this deal says the 80 man roster deadline is August 16th. Before mm-hmm. padded practice, but teams can have 90-man rosters if they go with the split squad setup. Some teams have plans to split squads and use stadium and regular practice facilities. And I think they also mentioned, although, Dane, I haven't heard an official announcement about it, about them eliminating all preseason games for this season. Mm-hmm. I, I've i heard through the rumor mill that that's going to happen, but there hasn't been a, an official statement yet. So 
if that's yeah. true, I've seen it first, from unofficial accounts. Yeah, I, I have too. So it it's, it seems like they're going to cancel preseason, and you got to think about those guys that use preseason to try to make guys. a roster. Yeah, that that too. So a lot of guys that usually get an opportunity to make a claim or make a yeah. name for themselves Victor in preseason Cruz. won't get that opportunity. Victor Cruz, uh, Phil Lindsay. That's the guy that comes to my mind. Phil Lindsay for me, because, you know, he was undrafted. A lot of those undrafted guys True. that make it. Uh, even Russell Wilson, he wasn't undrafted, but he balled in the he preseason. Yeah. And he won the job. Have, did they still have Matt Hasselbeck? No, they had or Matt like Flynn. Remember, they signed Matt Flynn to like a crazy deal, and he never started. Mm. Russell Wilson, they drafted Russell Wilson third round, and he just balled out, never gave up the job. So it's going to be interesting to see how teams figure out who makes the roster. It's all about practice yeah. at this point. It's unfortunate, so, too, man. Yeah, You're a lot of those guys. You're going to a bunch of those stories of guys that had no type of shot or chance. Yeah. And it's a, it's going to be up to those front offices and player evaluations to make yep. the best decisions to ensure that those guys get the opportunities they need because they're right. out there. Right. So we'll see how that shakes out. The, the first game, if there aren't any preseason games, will be Thursday. It's going to be a preseason game. September 10th. <laughs> yeah, just think about one is gonna how be ugly the first, you like it or two or th- yeah, the first two or three <laughs> weeks of the season are going to look. Does that, Especially do you think that gives rookie quarterbacks? Right. <laughs> you got quarterbacks rookie quarterbacks, rookie staffs, like teams are with new coaches and with stuff like coaches, that. Yeah. Do you think <laughs> do you think teams with uh without the preseason games, does that help offensive teams or defensive teams? Or will it help the offense more or defense more? I'll tell you this. It helps the offensive teams who have veterans, or question, it helps the side of the ball who has the veterans. And the only exception I'm going to have on there is teams that are led with rookie quarterbacks that are going to be starting week one. Those are the ones that are at the disadvantage because they have yet to experience in some shape or fashion the actual speed of an NFL game. I'll say that. The people who are rubbing their hands together like Birdman, those are your veteran coaches that have those seasoned quarterbacks and those you know, seasoned defenses. Those are going to be your elite teams. Whether you like it or not, those are going to be your elite teams. I know that's cliche. Oh, the team with the veteran quarterbacks is, is no. This is going to be week one through three. In my mind, you're going to see probably the greatest disparity in professional sports uh, across the board because there isn't, I don't think there's going to be any preseason. If there is, why would you throw any of your most meaningful players in a meaningless game outside of evaluation purposes? So. Right. I think it'll be interesting <laughs> to see for sure. I Like those teams that's going to have new coaches that bring in new schemes, those those are going yeah. to take a while to jail the first few years. So advantage to the veterans or teams that have coaches coming back because looks like you're in the lead so far. I'm just here for the chaos. Also, mm-hmm. air horns. Where are my air oh, horns? It. Jamal Adams. Mm-hmm. Seahawk. <laughs> you ugly for that. New Legion of Boom. <laughs> Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams. We had talked, Dane, maybe two days ago. 
when that report came out, how he was talking about Adam Gase. Oh, yeah, yeah, Calling him out about his leadership? Yes. When I first saw that, my first thought was like, how do you, from the coach's side, how do you coach somebody that doesn't believe in you at all and comes out and say this statement? Basically questions your manhood. Right. How do you, (laughs) how do you come out and, and like the respect factor at that point is gone. Like non-existent. He's saying you're not a leader. He's saying you're not going to be able to lead this team. So at that point, what else is there to talk about? I don't have the quote in front of me, but he was basically questioning Adam Gase as a head coach saying he's not a leader. Mm -hmm. He doesn't communicate with his players he came out with that, and my first thought was, yeah, he gone. They sent him to Seattle for Bradley McDougal, first-round pick in 2021, third-round pick in 2021, a first-round pick in 2022. Mm. So that's a lot of first-round picks. That's two first-rounds and a third for Jamal Adams. And so, Dane, before we started this episode, we talked about people on Twitter who automatically become analysts, automatically determine Mm -hmm. who won the trade. So Mm -hmm. what's your beef with people that do that? My beef goes back to two seasons ago when Amari Cooper was traded. I know this has to do with the Cowboys. I'm sorry. Kill me. The Cowboys traded the Raiders for Amari Cooper in exchange. The Cowboys gave up a first round pick. And immediately, everyone said the Cowboys are stupid, you know, X, Y, Z, because of the trade. Because in comparison to all the other receivers that got traded for pennies, you have, uh, what, Golden Tate and was it Demarius Thomas that got traded? I can't remember. Okay, a number of other receivers were traded, but there were day three picks. And the assumption immediately was the Cowboys got finesse in the pick because they gave up a one. Now, here's the thing you have to consider. One, there wasn't a receiver in that draft that was going to be better than Amari Cooper. It just wasn't there. There are a lot of great names in that draft, but none of them were going to be as NFL-ready as Amari Cooper. So there's no way for you to say that that particular trade, who won that particular trade then, because you'd have to see how the first-round pick turns out. If the first-round pick turns out to be a five-time All-Pro, you know, Super Bowl, double Super Bowl MVP, then yes, absolutely they won that trade. But if that particular player gets injured the first season and let's say they, they're not even a starter, they're like an on-the-cusp guy, then who won the trade? It's no different now. There's no way for us to determine if the you know Seahawks won the trade or the Jets won the trade. Yes, they have. The, the Jets ended up getting additional first-round picks. But let's not be too shallow here and naive. No disrespect intended, but if you look at the, let's say, for the sake of my arguments, to help my argument, the last 10 drafts that the Dreads have, Deontay, I'm not going to put you on the spot here, but off the top of your head, can you name three players that have a lasting impact on that franchise? In the last few years? I mean... Yeah, the last 10 years from the Jets franchise. First round picks. That have, Are you just saying that I've done well or that... What are you say, based asking on, me exactly? Based on... Have they done well? Have they contributed to the Jets? Based on if you're a a general manager for the Jets, your job is to draft the best player with the first overall pick or a question. You're you're the first round pick of that particular season. Right. For this reason, you have two picks, two additional first round picks. I mean, Sam Darnold has shown promise. 
but I mean, we haven't <laughs> seen him be first round pick material yet. Like, you know, uh, right. other than that, I see what you're saying. No. <laughs> so the point I'm trying to make here is the team in question, the Jets, have been very questionable in terms of player evaluation and acquisition of those, you know, first round selections. If they were hitting on the money with every single one of those picks, or at least the majority of those picks, we wouldn't even be talking about this. We'd say the Jets definitely won based on their player evaluation, but they haven't. So we can't really say right now if they won the, you know, won the entire haul in from the, the, the trade because their drafting has been pretty sketchy for the last few years outside of Jamal Adams and possibly Sam Darnold. And uh, I guess you can include Sheldon Richardson in that. He had a pretty decent. Yeah. Few seasons, but he ain't but there no more. That, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know, yeah. but you know, there's still Quentin Williams and Makai Becton. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah. On the other side of that, Jamal Adams heading to Seattle. Mm-hmm. And Ooh-wee. the same, I, I immediately thought of Legion of Boom. I said it in the drop because yeah. Jamal Adams plays similar to how Cam, Cam Chancellor played in that defense. I'm just imagining him being put in positions the way Cam Chancellor was as far mm-hmm. as, you know, being that enforcer across the middle, being that uh, inbox uh, safety linebacker hybrid where you can come up and make defensive stops. And I think if Seattle can sign uh clowny back, man, they mm-hmm. could make some real noise in NFC. What do you think? I'm thinking like, I think so too. Yeah. Because it you just got becomes Russell. hard because why isn't, Cl- I mean, that leads to another conversation. What is the deal? I mean, is it the, the physical contact that you can't have right now is why Clowney isn't signed or, or what? But I think he's what is trying preventing to, him from coming he, back. I think, it's a combination of pride and him wanting to deal. He thinks he's worth at this point, but I mean, he's had health issues. He, he hasn't been healthy. Didn't he miss games this past season as well? Or am I tripping? Yeah. So no, he missed, I think he missed one or two games. Right. So, I mean, he's I think he'll eventually sign obviously, but it's not going to be for what he wants. And yeah. it, maybe he's seeing this Jamal Adams doing like, okay, if I come back here, we got a chance to make some noise in the NFC because um, I'm not sure if Seattle addressed that offensive line. Maybe they did in the draft. I'm not aware. But uh, if they get that O-line situation intact, then, you know, Seattle can make some good noise in the NFC. That whole division, like we just talked about, Dane, made some mm-hmm. big moves this offseason. Uh, uh, the Niners went and got Trent Williams, left tackle, of course, the Cardinals went and traded for DeAndre Hopkins, give him a big target for Kyle and Murray. And, you know, the Seahawks getting Jamal Adams. So that might, you know, last year was one of the toughest divisions in football. And, you know, I definitely believe it'll be that way again this season. They were definitely, in my opinion, that is going to be one of the more exciting on paper. This is all on paper because we haven't seen any type of physical contact or any drills, team drills, anything like that. We can't make that determination, honestly. You can make the determination, but we'll be honest. On paper, that might be the most fascinating and fun division to watch, in my opinion. No, I agree. I agree with you, bro. But not everybody was happy with this trade, Dane. Oh, no. Who was unhappy, Deontay? 
somebody did not. Did you hit the bell? Like this trade. <laughs> so Le'Veon Bell, New York Jets running back. The tables have turned. Oh, have they? Right, right when the trade went down, he got his Twitter fingers out. And he said, <laughs> "You messy for that." He said, "People do all the hooting and hollering to get you brought in, just to leave." <laughs> LOL, like people weird, yo. The internet got these dudes doing whatever for attention, even when they tell you S H I T. They don't believe themselves. Who's he talking about? <laughs> Boy in a dress. I mean, there's so many sub subs in one tweet you can have, but <laughs> I I can respect it for him calling him out. Because how are you going to recruit me and then bounce? But at the same time, you, I'm not sure if he called him or had the chance to text him or sorted out like, man, like, hey, offline, like we on, you know, squash this right now. Or if, you know, the, his emotions got the best of him. Because it happens. We we get that. This It's football. It's a contact sport. Emotions get high, right? Right. But for you to take to Twitter like that, uh, eh. But dang, didn't Le'Veon Bell hold out? Yeah, so if anybody should understand the the complexities. The business of the NFL. The business side of the sport. He should. Yeah, that's true. He held out for so, his coins. Yeah. That's what I don't get. Like, bro. I don't know. You set out a whole season in Pittsburgh because you didn't get paid. I think Le'Veon th- thought he had a friend. <laughs> <laughs> now, they can still be friends. They just got to know that, you know, when the lights come on, in between them whistles, they can't be friends. But he definitely, he got, he hurt. And Jamal Adams, you know, retweeted, requoted it and said, noted, see you week 14. But Le'Veon wasn't done, Dane. He kept going. He replied to that, saying, "Noted what? LOL, that you lied. Please trust that it is noted. Then, if I'm supposed to take you, see you in week 14 as a threat, I don't. But it's still all love, and like I told you on the phone, I want the best for you." If this is the best for you, I want it for you, bro. He came with that backhand. Passive aggressive type stuff. <laughs> Passive yeah. aggressive for sure. It's it's like I said, man. It's a business. We see it on the owner's side, the general manager side, when players, uh, if they don't want a player or they don't want to pay a player, they'll cut them. So yeah. players. This is exactly what like, ownership likes. Right. If you don't <laughs> or if you don't want to be a part of something and it's if you feel like it's your in your best interest to go somewhere let them go or let let i should be able to want to go where i want to go because the owner said hey we don't want you they'll trade you or cut you right and Le'Veon, of all people i just think should understand that it's a business i think i think he got hurt he thought yeah he forgot that the business side and let it get a little too personal with him, you know, getting buddy, buddy. And I don't know Le'Veon Bell. I don't claim to know the man. So this is just my opinion. Again, maybe he just 
thought things were one way. <laughs> he thought things were one way. Yeah. But they the other way. As my man Marlo Stanfield said. Um, so I don't know. Poor Levy. I hate I hate that that happened to him, but the media, this is pending that, you know, Corona doesn't stop the season for any particular reason. The media hype around this matchup is going to be huge. It's going to be like, you know, the Lakers versus the Nets. If we, if we had a healthy Kyrie and a healthy LeBron, that's what the hype. I'm, I'm not saying that they're those caliber players, but respectfully, their positions, they're at the top of their games. Yeah, so I agree. Team Jamal over here, though. podcast ago we had broke news <laughs> we had breaking news at that moment um the washington at that point football they were team. called the washington redskins yeah now known as the washington football team yeah they're they're gonna go by the washington football team for the 2020 season dane and i've heard two sides of this and i'm gonna give my opinion after you do you think okay. that do you think that it's okay to call themselves this now and give themselves time to find a new name. Does that bother you at all? Do you think there's another motive behind it? What are your thoughts on that? I have inside information, Deontay. So yes, I will answer it. I will answer your question. I have no problem with them going by the Washington football team. The only issue is anytime they have a press release, they include this huge ass picture or logo of the, the old team name. That's intentional. Okay, and they also use the name of the old football team's mascot repeatedly throughout the statement. The, you're talking about that first statement they had, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, they use it over and over again. Like, okay, we we get now you're now you're just being a prick. So everyone put them on notice about the name and the offensiveness behind the name since however long ago. I don't have an issue with them changing the name, but I have an issue with them acknowledging the name repeatedly in their press releases. So one hurdle that they have to overcome with their new name, whatever mascot they choose to go with is whatever that dude is or whoever that dude is that claimed all those uh, trademarks and stuff for all those team names. I know you've probably seen it or maybe you haven't seen it, but there's some guy... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there was a guy for smart. those that don't know there's there's a guy that went out and trademarked all the potential names that the Washington football team could pick and yeah, that like apparently names. yeah that apparently is holding up them being able to choose a new name because he they're going to have to pay him a buttload of money oh yeah he saw that and was like yeah let me let me go in and cash out and get <laughs> you know get a hold of that but um they also Man, came out and, and showed the the jersey Design is going to be everything's kind of generic. Looks like a NCAA football like a team. Bama football team. Yeah, with the number on the helmet. And 
So I, I think it's, I think, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to come up with, well, probably not come up with a name so quickly, but the process of actually changing everything I give them credit for will probably take a while. But I will say this. Money talks. Money talks. And on that note, they're going to have merchandise for this Washington football team that people are going to buy. Unfortunately. And then when they come with the actual new team name, they're going to have more merchandise. So they're actually going to be making money off this Washington football team. And they're going to make more money when people rebuy the new jerseys with the new team name. So like we said, then we know they know what they're doing. They, they understand people are going to buy it regardless. So it's like, Hey, we'll, 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 we'll come out with merchandise for this team. And they're going to buy it. We'll come out with a new name and they're going to buy that too. So Dan Snyder and there's also the report we didn't get to last episode with the accusations from people in the top about sexual harassment, which mm-hmm. of course is uncalled for, grimy, yep. disgusting, horrible, horrible situation, disgusting. There are reports saying Dan Snyder knew about it. I don't know how they'll yeah, be able to prove about. that. Yeah, it's like one of those things. You're at the top of the food chain. You're the boss boss. He's going to get off scot-free. We've seen this happen time and time again. Unfortunately, we have. Some. You know, he came out with a statement saying there's no place for this, which that is true. But at the same time, man, you at the top, you should know. Or these people should have been gone from the organization a long time ago. Not when you are in the spotlight. You are. It's one of Don't those. Call okay. BS on that one, Deontay. Yeah. Only because like your team name, bro. Your team yeah. name is at the root of your problems. You're going to overlook plenty of things if you have a racist caricature as your team mascot. So you ain't trying to hear all that, my boy. We need actions. Facts. And the action should have been ridding those cancerous individuals from your organization once you realize what they were doing and, and shed a light on that and become a, a beacon of hope that your organization wouldn't have any type of association with anyone that has the bone or ounce in their body to want to sexually harass anybody or manipulate anybody with sexual coercion. So that's, I ain't trying to hear it, Dan. Yeah. You disgrace anybody that has the same three letters as us, bro. Couldn't say it better. I do have some good news regarding Washington. Oh, what's good news? Alex Smith was cleared for football activities. Shout out to Alex. He suffered. If, if people don't remember yeah. J.J. Watt. Wasn't it J.J. Watt that hit him? I, I can't remember. I just remember it was the day that it happened was the same day as the... Joe Theismann. Mm, oh, yeah. gosh. Versus so, LT and them, I think. Alex Smith, yeah, he suffered a uh, tibia and fibula fracture in 2018. He almost lost his leg. And I mm-hmm. haven't seen the e- E60 on him called Project 11. But I, I saw pictures. pictures and, yeah. I never watched but, that. He got cleared. I don't know if he ever played a down of football, but just to be cleared and to work back to being able to walk, run, mm-hmm. throw a football is just a testament to Alex Huge. Smith and how much of a, you know, not only a good person he is because, you know, he seems like a genuine guy, but also who he is as a football player, not ever giving up. So 
you know, I saw a lot of tweets saying he should be comeback player of the year, regardless if he plays it down or not. And I agree with that because this dude almost lost his leg, man. Mm-hmm. And for him to be even at this stage is is just crazy and amazing. So shout out, shout out to Alex Smith. You get some air horns for that, my guy. Shout out to Alex Smith. That is gruesome. If you ain't seen those pictures, don't go looking for it, man. Cause yeah, you gonna lose your, you gonna lose whatever the last meal you ate was. <laughs> so in NBA news, with everything going on in the bubble and games starting this Thursday, regular regular season games, or they're calling mm-hmm. them seeding games because there's only eight, and they're going straight into the playoffs after that. I feel like the NBA has done a great job as far as testing players. Um, with the protocols of players, you know, staying in the bubble, not going outside the bubble. But, you know, these are grown men, Dane, and eventually they're going to do what they want to do. Case in point, six man, Lou Will. And six man of the year, two times. Lou Williams. And so what I he did leave for a funeral, if I'm not mistaken, what I saw. He actually did leave for a funeral. So that's something to leave the bubble for, obviously. Family member, family emergency. But Lou said, bro, I'm I'm about to hit Magic City on the way back. And so he stopped <laughs> by Magic City, Magic which City? it is a gentleman's club, Dane. It's a gentleman's club in Atlanta. Where apparently there's the, apparently yeah, apparently the food there is great. It's amazing. Oh. Chicken wings, perhaps. The wing. They heard, I heard the wing. According to Uncle Uncle Shay Shannon Sharp, the oh. wings are some serious. Uh, but they have other things there, other entertainment. You know, oh, okay. And Sounds like the place to go check out. Yeah, yeah. And so I ain't gonna. Have you ever heard of the rapper Jack Harlow? Uh, yes, I'm aware okay. of the individual. That, that song he has is pretty dope, by the way. But uh. Jack Harlow put on his Instagram story that he was with Lou Williams at Magic City. And the Twitter world went crazy, basically saying, hold up. He left for this and that. And basically, Jack Harlow deleted it and said, no, I was just, I just post, it was an old pic. I just posted it because I missed it. <laughs> Backpedal like Deion yeah, Sanders. He, he, tried to save, he tried to save him for real, but. Uh, I don't think they're going to discipline Lou Will, but his quarantine, they said the quarantine is going to be an extra 10 days, so he'll miss the first regular game against the Lakers. Uh, when you first saw this story, Dane, what did you think? Because my thought was, of course, you know, I've seen a lot of reports of players leaving for family emergencies, which if they are really a family emergencies, then I understand. But eventually they're going to try to go and do their own thing, maybe holler at some girls. You don't know. Yeah, I think it's one of those situations where, God dang it, Lou, you, you know, you messed it up for everybody else type of deal. I don't know Lou's relationship with all the other teammates, the other prominent players in the league, but in my opinion, if I'm leaving the bubble to, you know, do whatever because of a family situation, I'm going to honor that and I'm going to get right back to the bubble. You know what I'm saying? I mean, of course, you know, after you spend your, your time quarantining and stuff like that, social distancing away before you re enter the bubble, all that stuff. I get that. He, 
I don't want to come off as like a stickler for rules and stuff, but if, if he broke I'm on. trying to, yeah, yeah, definitely. He, he definitely broke. If I'm trying to contribute to my team and hopefully bring back a, a championship, I'm going to do everything within my power to ensure that I'm following all sorts of rules, regulations, and so on and so forth. So if they go on and end up making the playoffs and losing a game because they don't have loot, I mean, I doubt it's going to work that way. But let's say that for whatever, for the sake of this argument, if they go on and lose in the first round of the playoffs or the second round of the playoffs or whatever round of the playoffs by five points that Lou could have possibly contributed to because he was not able to play because he's still quarantining or whatever, then they're going to come back to this particular event. And I know that's very dramatic, but we have to be very dramatic in times like this when a simple. I think, uh, yeah, he wouldn't miss a playoff game is he just missed the two regular season games to start out. But yeah, I was just exaggerating. Yeah, I got you. I got you. If something like this would happen, towards that time then yeah definitely would be a bigger story but you know you just got to be smart man and I know things you want to do but I know the NBA is taking you know precaution with bringing them back because say say they didn't find this picture mm-hmm. or something like that and somehow he sneaks back in and infects <laughs> other people and I don't know it's just crazy just be Reckless. smart just be smart one cool thing I did see tweeted from Kevin O'Connor uh, he tweeted that the NBA will have fans appear virtually on video boards surrounding the court live during games. The home team will choose 300 fans per game. Players, families can be in it too. He said, I saw a demo today and it's honestly really cool. It'll begin during seating games. Mm. And he had also tweeted how it looks like something out of Black Mirror, which was funny. He said, <laughs> these these virtual fans will watch games on a feed with no delay so for, from a technical standpoint, their reactions will be captured live without latency as they're shown in the arena. Audio will also be enabled, though unclear for how long, if all feels straight out of Black Mirror. I think that's pretty cool that they're allowing that um, for the home teams. I just think like in 2020 in general, technology is just so crazy. And I think that everything going on with COVID, um, it's changed the world forever. And it's brought, I mean, we already use technology, but like, for example, something so simple as meetings and like for work where you used to have to be all in the same building. Now you could just Zoom or whatever other video type platform. I just think and it, this pandemic in general has changed how we'll live life forever at this point. But I thought that was a pretty cool note about the uh, NBA trying to be... Be Showing cool. initiative and yeah, <laughs> I thought that was cool, man. Yeah, uh, hope for the best with the situations and all te- technical difficulties and all of that. What happened? Hopefully, that's the idea. So we'll see where it goes. <laughs> and then, bro, Mike Tyson and Roy Jones Jr. are uh, fighting. I first when I saw this, I thought it was fake, but mm-hmm. it's real. It's going to be an exhibition match on September twelfth. Um, mm-hmm. says former undisputed heavyweight champ Mike Tyson is making a comeback. Tyson, 54, will fight Roy Jones Jr. in an eight-round exhibition on September 12th. The bout will be broadcast on pay-per-view as well as multimedia platform Triller. Dane, are you going to watch this? I will be watching this only because I would like to see Homicide uh, on TV. <laughs> I def- I'm definitely <laughs> going to watch this. And I was like, man, 
I wonder how crazy they're going to go. But then I saw an article from the sun that said, like, it's some stipulations to this match because it's an exhibition. Right. It says it has emerged that the clash will be stopped. If either receives a cut. Yeah. And they're only going to wear, wear 12 ounce gloves. They said, well, they said they won't be wearing headgear. It says California State Athletic Commission Executive Director Andy Foster spoke to explain Tyson and Jones Jr. won't be wearing headgear for the fight. So it only will be, there won't be judges. It won't be that. But I mean, I'm sure people are still going to tune in. Mike, I'm now, I, couldn't, I couldn't find that audio, but Mike sounded like he was ready to knock somebody oh, out. Oh, you talking about he's scared of that other man coming out? Because when yeah. he comes out, he's bringing hell with him. Yeah. That's yeah. the only clip that I needed to see to say, yeah, uh, if I were a betting man, I'm putting about a $100 on Mike. Man, yeah. <laughs> that speech alone raised the hair on my arms, bro. Like, Yeah. I don't. I think Mike would probably win in, in a match with a silverback gorilla, a tiger, and a bear. So... Based off of that audio clip alone. And I saw the clip of Roy Jones Jr. working out and uh I ain't convinced. He, he compared to what I saw with Mike, Mike look a little faster than Roy, bro. <laughs> I don't know. All it's gonna take is two or three of them Mike Tyson uppercuts and that chin that Roy Jones Jr. has is gonna be gone. He gonna be out of there. He gonna be out of there. <laughs> Unfortunately. We are ready for. I am Iron Man. Our nerdy segment. Our nerdy segment. Oh yeah. So obviously theaters are shut down, and it's putting right. these film companies and theaters and Disney, Marvel, of limbo. Yeah, everything's being pushed back. Constantly waiting for this pandemic to at least slow down and. We got another delay, Mulan and Tenet. And I got one question, Dane. What's up? Will we see movies in 2020? In my opinion, probably not. I think the next time, or for me in my household, we we won't be in the movie theaters until 2021, more than likely. Just as an extra precaution. But as far as the general public, I don't think the movie theater is coming back this year. They... None of these movie companies and distribution companies are going to waste or take an opportunity to waste money. The whole point is to make more money than you spent putting a movie together. And I doubt that can happen if you. How, yeah. How long can yeah. they hold on? Like at what point do like for Marvel, for instance, or HBO Max with DC, how long do you hold on to projects like Black Widow and Wonder Woman before you're just like, hey, we're going to take our loss here. We're going to put a price on this for the platform. Mm-hmm. You could watch it you. VOD uh, for 40 bucks. Here's the only solution that I think that it would come back in. The Hollywood, in, I'm going to say, I know it's more than just Hollywood, but I'm going to, for the sake of this conversation, the Hollywood movie industry 
unless all of these production companies and whatever the case may be, all these MCUs and all the, you know, the big wigs, unless they can come together and create some sort of entity, maybe some sort of app where they can still make bread off of these movies. I don't think there's going to be a, this company is going to be first to bring the movies back to the movie theaters because there is a lot of risks associated with hoping that people that are in fear for their lives of catching this, whatever this is, there is a lot of hope in that, that they would put butts in seats. Cause Samuel L. Jackson said it best. It doesn't, it doesn't matter how great the, or good the movie is, whatever rewards they get, it's how many butts are in the seats. And unless they can successfully quantify that same number or those same statistics, then I don't know what other options they have, but to wait. Yeah. So yeah, tenant ten is delayed. I'm just talking about movies in general that I'm looking forward to. Milan, I was interested in. Of course, Black Widow is slated for November of this year. Mm-hmm. But that might get pushed back once again. So, you know, we're still sitting here waiting, man. I just, I just wonder, yeah, like you said, how long, how long are they willing to sit on it and see, um, are they just trying to wait to the end of the pandemic? But here's his thing too, Deontay. I'm just disgusted at the idea of, you know, James Cameron and those folks bringing on all these sequels of Avatar. Like who, nobody asked for that. Yeah, unsolicited sequel of, of yeah. Nobody wanted that, dude. Yeah, I never even saw the first one, but apparently this one's overrated. Got five, five, right? Uh, going all the way to I, five through twenty twenty eight. Counting after I seen three, oh, they, yeah. <laughs> I think they got. I think they got a schedule all the way through five, but apparently there are a lot of Avatar people out there. I mean, it did break the record for highest grossing film for in game. Beat just, it, but. Yeah, of course. I just don't. I was never I don't see the hype. It's nothing cool about it. It's, was it the, the CGI? The, the CGI that I think it took was it over the top, or it just the storyline. We've seen that storyline when we were kids. Like we've seen that before, so there's nothing groundbreaking about that. But I don't know. The man's the man's was out there getting alien cheeks in the movie, bro. Like, I ain't, <laughs> I don't know whose idea was to put that in the movie, but you should be ashamed of yourself for even getting that to the writer's table. But I ain't trying to see that, man. Zack Snyder at the uh, San Diego Comic-Con, now it's obviously the Comic-Con at home, released (laughs) a... Well, that's what they call it. They call it Comic-Con at home. (laughs) Uh, They released, or he released a clip of Spider-Man... Spider-Man. Wow. <laughs> Let me he needs here. some milk. Superman. It's got a P in it. In a black suit. A clip from his Justice League that he's going to drop. His director's cut he's going to drop on HBO Max. This clip was live. Yeah. This clip was dope. So it basically shows Superman flying down. Spoiler alert. The uh, Yeah, spoiler. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you can. Flying down to the, uh, it's not even the Batcave. It's the Wayne Estate where Alfred's there working on a vehicle and he just walks up to him and says something. But apparently next month, Zack Snyder said they're going to release a trailer. And also you'll find out if it's going to be one movie 
or into episodes, basically. But I, I, I think they'll, I think he'll cut it up into episodes, man. I don't see him dropping six hours worth of footage at one time. Guess what? Guess what, Deontay? Oh, go ahead. If he drops six hours, guess who's going to be in their seat for six hours? Oh, for him? sure. For sure, I'm I mean, there. I'm, if he drops I'm there six for episodes, sure. I'm going to be watching every episode. <laughs> I don't but, care. I don't care, Zach. Drop that my wife. <laughs> I'm just thinking from his perspective, like dropping one at a time, you build anticipation, get more people to tune uh, You're right. You know what I'm saying? From If I'm him, that's the way I'm doing it. If I'm me, if I'm me like Lil Wayne, I'm dropping the whole thing so I can watch it all in one setting. Pause. Okay. That was a cool clip that I saw. We saw over the. Uh, hey, shout out to Brody for bringing that to my attention. Yes, Brody, Brody posted. Love it, you, Brody. Showed it to us. On the gaming front, Dane, did you happen to catch the Xbox showcase where they were talking about the new games that are coming out? Missed the whole thing. I missed the whole thing. Um, I had this work project thing that I was working on, a whole bunch of Google formulas and stuff. Nothing important, but apparently I didn't miss anything. So No worries. I'll save you the time. <laughs> Nothing of importance. Well, to me, I'm not really a Halo guy. That was the best game that they showed was the Halo Infinite gameplay. But And if anyone is listening to this, and I'm wrong, you can you can correct me. But from my understanding, the games that are coming out on Xbox Series X, I could play on my Xbox One, unless it's a, an exclusive for Xbox Series X. Apparently, there are games that you can play on the Xbox One that's an Xbox Series X game, but you'll just lose the graphic quality and and that kind of thing. And if that's the case, why should I get a Xbox Series X? Whereas the PlayStation 5, which I'm heavily leaning toward buying at this point, with their showcase, um, they have more exclusives that I'm interested in, including the Spider-Man Miles Morales game, mm-hmm. um, when God of War comes out. That's it. That's and, the one. You know, PlayStation has always been better with the exclusives. Uh, Dane, you and I both have both consoles, and it's mainly I because I have friends that play on both, you know, and I'll probably eventually get both consoles, but I mean, PlayStation is getting my money first. Xbox ain't getting my money. Or, so you're you're not going to get it at all. Yeah. Uh, the only way that I'll probably get Xbox is if my wife got, gets it for me as a gift. I'm not going to ask. I'm, yeah. I'm not going to ask for it. I'm not going to buy it myself because it's basically, to me, what you just showed me, I mean, of course, I didn't catch the conference, but I looked at a bunch of the tweets and I read some things about it. But basically what you what, what Microsoft showed me is that my time that I spend earning my money is invaluable to them to purchase this piece of whatever they have put together. I'm not valued as a game player. I'm not valued enough is what they told me. So it's just weird. Like I. I and like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I just don't understand the value of uh, that console right now. Yeah, and this is coming from someone who plays mostly on Xbox. I spend most of my time right, on my same Xbox. Here. About 95% of my time on Xbox. Yeah, man. We'll we'll see. But right now I'm heavily leaning PlayStation 5. Just waiting for the price to drop. And $2,000. Karina said I'm not getting it, but I'm definitely <laughs> getting it. 
<laughs> if Creedy listening to this, I'm laughing right now because he getting that PS5. <laughs> it's for the podcast. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta give it a review for the pod. <laughs> we gonna get you that PS5, bro. social media accounts on our Twitter and Instagram, we gave our listeners the opportunity to ask us some questions. We got a lot of questions here, Dane, that we are going to answer. And this should be very fun. This is probably my, I'm most excited for this part of the podcast because it allows the people that listen to us have feedback or, you know, feel a part of what we do here. Right, And so our boy Josh Yasasi, shout out to Josh. Shout out to Josh one time. One of his questions, he had two. His first was past or present, who would be y'all's dream interview? Mm. Like, for instance, it, w- it wouldn't get any better after that conversation. And you want to answer it first, Dane? Okay. So shout out to Josh, man. Uh, for, man, Josh is probably one of the most underrated best friends that I've had uh, back in. Uh, high school, he was really close friend, leaned up on the man's going to some tough times with, you know, my dad and stuff. So he was there. So shout out to Josh um, for real, for real. Uh, but to answer this question, that's hard because in the dream interview, I'd have to include people that, of course, they're no longer with us. So off the top of my head, I'm going to have to go with Muhammad Ali, Dave Chappelle, Bamani Jones. Jim Carrey and JFK. And good like, ass list. The, the main reason, yeah, the, the main reason was just because one, we lost the ability, or for those who know, uh, Muhammad Ali um, f- suffering from many, 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 many fights, um, it took a toll on his body and eventually he lost the ability to speak. So hearing what he would have to say and a time like this um, would be huge. Obviously, Dave Chappelle's on the list because he's one of my favorite people, period. Uh, uh, Armani Jones, because he's probably one of the smartest, most eloquent speakers, sports heads out there. And plus, he's hilarious to follow on Twitter because of he's he's always, always, always finding a good reason to make fun of somebody for being an idiot. So... I'd love to hear his additional commentary uh, on things that are going on in sports and, and society. That'd be huge. Of course, Jim Carrey, because he's an amazing entertainer. He's very insightful and he's a genius as well. So just to pick his brain, uh, just talk about some of his funny Hollywood interactions that he's had, maybe some behind the scenes stuff that the public doesn't know about from some of his you know more famous films. Uh, and then of course JFK because what 
in the heck did you do? Like, what did you, what actions did you put together within the last few months of your life that made you a target to be killed? Because, come on, we all know that it wasn't one guy that killed the man. So what was it that led to your demise and what would he have to say in a time like this as well? Just off the top of my head. So I had to step away from that one because that list could have got a little bit longer. So I just kept Man, it at five. I, I'm going to just say one. And I thought long, long <laughs> you dropped five and I'm coming bad, with one. Man. You good? I, uh, I thought about this question for a while, man. And I'm going to go Stuart Scott. Mm. I'm going to say Stuart Scott. Yeah. Rest in peace to Stu, man. My first job out of college was working in the news station. And I eventually worked my way up to be a sports reporter and sportscaster. And so one of the first when I first started watching sports, mm-hmm. what got me interested in, into sports besides actually playing it was Stuart Scott. He was the first guy, you know, that I like he just made it so interesting. Him being a black guy reporting on sports and making it cool and making it, you know, hip. And he made it unique in his own way. He became someone I was very admired by from the very beginning when I started watching sports. And so for me to be able to reach, I mean, obviously I was on the news, not on ESPN, but I I Still give him a lot of credit it. for helping me get to a point where I could, you know, do the same thing he did as far as reporting the news as a black man, reporting sports as a black guy. And so, man, I credit Stuart Scott a lot. And I would just ask him, mm. man, I don't know what I would ask him. That's the thing. But mm-hmm. I would just want to be in his presence and, you know, kind of I guess I would ask him more about coming up and how he the decisions he made, how he decided to report or, you know, be unique in his own way. What paved his way to ESPN in in a sense. So I would definitely pick Stu Scott. That that'd be somebody I'd love to talk to about that for sure. I forgot. Yeah. Uh, shout out to man, shout out to Stu and the yeah. legacy that he left behind. Yeah, for sure. Josh also had another question. He said, the biggest lesson in sports that you learn and what and want to be sure to pass on to your children or future children. Dan, I'll let you start because you actually have, have a child. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a child. Yeah. A child. child. <laughs> uh it's a James Cameron uh Titanic reference for anybody who doesn't know. Uh, me and my one of my old coworkers, um, saw him and we used to always quote that all the time. And then I actually had a kid, so I can say it or have a kid. He's in there taking a nap right now. Um, <laughs> one of the biggest lessons in sports that I've learned and that I want to pass on to my kid, or even any kid for that matter, is um sometimes for the team to be successful, the ball doesn't necessarily have to be in your hands. And that's one thing I learned the hard way. Um, in high school sports. So I was never the best athlete. I was never the biggest. I was never the strongest, never, nowhere near, never the fastest. Um, but there are two things that I pretty much had in my particular position. I was very smart and I was very strong and I could catch. So for that meaning in the state of Texas, we're to run first offense. Uh, so a lot of, my job was blocking 
whoever the, the, the point of attack or the strong side guy was, that's my guy. I'm going after him. So most often than not, the most successful plays that I was a part of not was, it wasn't me catching a pass or, you know, getting a handoff or anything like that. It was me throwing a block. And I say that because we live in a me or I or me society. Everything is about me and sports. It can be the same way. So one of the best things I'm going to teach my son Langston is if the team is successful, most of the time it's, it doesn't have to be because of you directly. So, um, hopefully it answers your question. So yeah. How the heck do I follow that up? (laughs) No, because think about it. Like I had to, this is the first thing that came to mind because like, you know, there are a lot of, we had a lot of talented people on our football team, bro. Mm-hmm. Like we had so much talent and to just, just getting the opportunity to be a part of that indirectly, I had no choice but to be thankful of, you know? And that was probably one of the, probably one of the more defining things about learning about myself. Yeah. And how selfish I was as a, as a player. Yeah. Is, you know, that, so. Right. Um, oh, God, how do I follow it up? Oh. <laughs> and look, you could just, when you go back to editing it, you could put your first and then put my I know, right. <laughs> biggest lesson, biggest lesson in sports that I learned. Oh, God. I'll just go with this one. Bounce back, bounce back for, from your losses. Like losing mm. isn't the end of the world. And that could be a life lesson as far as like, if something in your life doesn't go the way you want, I mean, it's just a test and like you can you can always bounce back from it. Like it's how you react to the loss that builds your character and let you know who you are as a person. Like if you lose at something, say if you fail a test in school, if you lose, you know, if you mess up at work or at your job, just know that's not the end of the world. Like you can always learn from it and make different decisions that you know can decide or you learn from it and move on if if that makes sense like facts have a short memory as far as issues or something yeah have a short memory and be able to bounce back from your losses that's that's one thing i could take that's and you could use that in life in general for sure that's huge that's huge bro but i have a question for you deontay yeah how in the hell do we bounce back from beating that we took <laughs> versus Lake Travis, I see. Yeah. Uh, How did we bounce back from that, Deontay? Uh, you, I you explain to my son after they get destroyed. You know, they get mercy ruled by another team. Well, after that, <laughs> like, you just be like, "Hey, can't <laughs> win them all, son." <laughs> Sometimes you're gonna get your ass beat. You gotta know how to bounce back. <laughs> from <it>. <laughs> <laughs> Look, you gotta know how to pick up the controller and say, "Let's play, yeah. let's run it back again." Yeah, exactly. Horribly, for sure. Appreciate you, Josh. Question, Josh. Really good. As you can see, those questions were deep and like made us really think about it. But we appreciate you, man. Appreciate you listening for sure. And definitely uh, hope all is well with you and your fam, man. For sure. Next one is from my brother Eric Sampson. He said, "I need y'all to debate the top ten players currently in the NBA bubble. We want to hear Dane's Ooh. top ten and my top ten. 
and I made so, a quick list. So that was hard. That was probably the hardest thing that I yeah. had to do. Because <laughs> the first list I created, I misread the question. Yeah. And I thought it's I thought it said the top ten players currently. Yeah. So some of my players on this list weren't even in the bowl. So yeah. I had to go back and scrap it and make a better list. So I go I'll go first on this one. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, I man. got I got in no particular order. I don't I don't oh, know if he okay. wanted us to but you can go top ten. I yeah, didn't. I'll put mine in order. I, I didn't. So FYI, this is just ten off the top. So I got okay. Luca, LeBron, A D, Kawhi, Giannis, Harden, Russell Westbrook, Zion, Jokic, and Tatum, Jason Tatum from the Celtics. That's my top ten. Mm, okay. I didn't follow directions. So I he said top ten, but I have a uh an alternate for two of mine because it's kind of hard, but it makes sense. So I semi put them in order. The first five are definitely in order. The last five, or Christian, the last seven are not in order. Um, so first is Kawhi, second is Giannis, third is AD, uh, fourth is Braun, fifth is Jimmy Buckets. Ah, uh, Butler. And this is where it gets tricky. I have Embiid, Luca, then I have Harden slash Russ because for me they're interchangeable because of what they've done so much. I mean, I, I know it's currently right now. It's just hard to conceptualize because of the failures that they've had in the playoffs. Bringing them to this point is more than likely we're going to see again the failures that they're going to have in the playoffs. Sorry, um, all the Rockets fans out there, hopeless Rockets fans, but it's okay. Um, at number nine, I have Jokic. Um, and then I have another split between Dame and Siakam. I forgot Between about Dame, Dame, man. Being able to carry an entire offense on his back. Can I change mine? <laughs> <laughs> no, this is what the debate for. <laughs> and then, of course, Siakam with, you know, him becoming his own and the face of his team and his scoring efficiency. One thing yeah. I love so much about him is, and he, they've even talked about this to the point where it's nauseating, just how efficient he is when the team loses and when it's how efficient he is when the team wins. So, He's going to be, in my opinion, he's going to be the foundation or the blueprint for the big guys in this next generation. Like, we're going to see a lot of big guys, um, my opinion, we're going to see a lot of big guys map their game after him. So that's that's what I'm, that's what I'm going with here. That's a good point. If I could redo mine, I would just add, <laughs> I would add Dame for sure in that top 10 somewhere. I'd probably take. I like Tatum too, man. Yes, Tatum. Tatum's another guy, though. Yeah, that's you said Dame woo. and Butler, who I missed out on completely. So I would put if if I could add Dame and Butler in, I would take Tatum and Zion off, or just uh, alternate. Who would you alternate with? You don't have to necessarily take them out. Yeah, like on this, I like have them like on the same line. Like Harden and Russ are interchangeable for me because they're both amazing talents. But just when Dame when Dame says, gets hot, bro. What he ain't stopping that man. Last year was last year and the year before that was so no no definitely last year. Playoffs were amazing. Like down the home stretch, it man I'm getting chills thinking about it, man. Right? Because he's like he's is a small market team. He has to literally be everything, and we know if they lose, it's going to be because. I mean, I hate to say it. I'm not going to single anybody out. If they lose, it's because the rest of the team pretty much didn't do enough. 
Yeah. If they win, it's because Dame and, and what, they the haven't really been healthy either. But they're finally yes. healthy now in the uh, now that they're in the bubble and stuff. Bubble. So they can make they can make some noise, man. I wouldn't put it past you. Thanks for the question. Plus, e. he's, plus he's a hell of an artist. The man, for sure. Hey, e, what's what's uh what's your top ten, bro? Yeah, yeah. What's your top ten? Hit us, hit us back. Or anybody that listen, you could add us with our top or with your top. I'm 10 curious as well. to know too. Please, yeah, respond to this. I would love to see everyone's top ten because I'm sure I forgot about some people. But this was hard as hell to do. That was that was the toughest one. That was one of the toughest ones. Daniel, my guy, Daniel Such, the Baylor Oracle. He has best sporting <laughs> event, environment, stadium, etc. That you've experienced live and in person. Oh, man. Um, Man, yeah, I'll let you go first. I, I'll pick two, and I didn't even write this one down. I'm just going off the top of my head. Uh, one was the 61-58 Baylor TCU game in 2014, where Baylor yeah, came was back in the fourth crazy. quarter. They they were up like 21 points in the fourth quarter. I almost left that game, but I stayed and came back and won <laughs> and kicked the field goal at the end. 61-58 for sure. And then another one was 2010 when we beat Oklahoma. Or 2010, 2011? When RGC threw that pass, Terrence Williams in the end zone. That Heisman Trophy. That was 2011, I believe. Heisman Trophy season for RG3. Um, but those two top, <laughs> top I used to sure. be OU. Yeah. I, I chill. <laughs> chill. Chill. Yeah, you got to hang on to that one because it's going to be a long time before y'all get back to I don't think so. I think we right. Man, watch what we do with Aranda. I'm telling you. <laughs> telling you. My mom just texted me, by the way, Dane. She said hello. Oh, definitely. Tell your mama said, hey. Oh, you know, I got to give you a hard time. I, mean, I know it. Obviously, you know, you can't help that there's a few bad apples amongst the bunch that helped with y'all's dissension back down to the pit of the big. <laughs> the pit of the conference, but y'all are on their ways back. But I don't know. As Spencer Rattler kid, he might be the truth. So y'all might be in, in the We gonna you see. Know, we gonna basement see. for a while. Boy, um, I mean okay. no basement. <laughs> <laughs> I mean y'all not, you know, Kansas status or anything like that, but we went to the Big Twelve Championship last year. I'm just I'm like I'm just messing with you, man. I'm just messing with hey, you. I'm, I'm I'm swinging. Swinging like Mike. <laughs> and I'm ducking and dodging like Floyd. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Um, for me, I only have one, and it's very recent. Mine's would have been a year ago, the Texas State Championship game in Arlington, Texas, the Dallas Cowboys Stadium between Galena Park North Shore and Duncanville High School football game. I am so thankful that I was there. It was uh, me, it was myself, Demaric, Demaric's little brother, uh, Cedric, and I think Demaric's mom, she was somewhere watching too. I, that I was the Hail Mary, was right? Yeah, it was the Hail Mary. Oh, so God, what a For play. those of you who don't know, the it was a pretty evenly matched game as far as, well, no, Galena Park, North Shore, they had the, they had the better team. Um, Team-wise, total-wise. But Several D1 guys on both sides of the ball or both teams, but it came down to it was like five seconds left and North Shore was driving and they got a holding call that put them back. I think maybe the 40 or 30 ish yard line. And it was literally time for one play. 
Now, they called a timeout right after the uh, the holding call, and the offensive lineman that was responsible for the holding call, he was beat. You can see him. He was visibly beating himself up, like, you know, shaking his head, hands on his hip, and everybody was, you know, talking him up, you know, hyping him up, like, you know, shit's going to be cool. Mind you, I'm going for Duncanville because we live in Duncanville, and we, we root for all the DFW teams around here, you know, Duncanville, DeSoto, all that, Cedar Hill. So my hope is that Duncanville is finally going to win another state championship ring. And they're literally one play away. And the quarterback is still there. This is his senior year. He was a sophomore uh, for North Shore. He was a sophomore. I can't remember his name, but he's definitely going to be in the NFL. I definitely can see it. He's got arm talent. Crazy. It's crazy good. Very fast, too. Drops back. Hail Mary, of course. And he just chunks it. Duncanville safety. I can't remember the kid's name, and I don't want to put the kid on blast, but Duncan, excuse me, who was responsible for that side of the field. I think he went for the SWAT, but dude, it's just the hand of God himself just reached out and plucked that ball out and caught it at the back of the end zone in the corner, and the entire stadium went crazy. Now, the crazy thing about it is DeMar recorded it. He recorded the final play and got everyone's reaction, you know, in the moment. The I have never, I mean, I've only been in the stadium a handful of times, but I've never felt the shake. It was like an earthquake took place inside of the, the stadium because of how hype everyone got. Now, I immediately thought it was out of bounds. So I'm, you can see me, I'm sure tomorrow's going to tweet the picture or tweet the, the video, but you can see me going like incomplete because there's no way. It's obviously in, in disbelief, but he definitely caught it, reviewed, and, you know, North Shore, he, they ended up winning the state championship that year and this past year that just went by versus Duncanville again. So that's a good one thing. Yeah. That's probably the only one. The, the nothing's gonna top that. Yeah. I doubt anything's gonna top that unless it's, you know, the Cowboys in the Super Bowl or, you know, right. Um, something like that. But that's not yeah. gonna happen in Tom Dan, so. thanks for the question, man. Appreciate you for sure. listening and contributing to this Q and A segment. My brother Bo Bo he said, when did you know when sports was your calling? Like, when did you realize that was what you wanted to do or where you wanted to be eventually? Um, mm. I think as soon as I realized that I wasn't going to play in college, um, <laughs> it was something that I was like, okay, I'm not going to play in college or professionally. How can I still be close to the game while also doing something that's enjoyable? And so – I think in college, I kind of worked myself, get to where I wanted to be. So, for instance, taking media classes to become a sports reporter. Um, mm -hmm. I took a lot of digital media classes now that's helping me with this podcast and recording audio and learning how to edit audio and uh, build platforms, digital marketing, make logos, stuff like that. That's actually contributing to what Dane and I do here with the podcast. So, I feel like sports, Bo, you know, like, we grew up with a football in our hands. So um, being able to still be close to what I love mm -hmm. is awesome, even though it's not my main thing because I'm a teacher. But even, you know, in two years as a teacher, I coached two years. So I was still close to the game. So I feel like it's always something that's been drawn to me, um, even when I didn't put on the pads or cleats or something like that. It's something that I've always wanted to be close to. So, yeah. I think that pretty much answers that one. Keith, my guy, Keith. Hey, boy, Monet. Keith. <laughs> uh, he had two questions. One's uh, 
more sent it to me because he said, <laughs> who's the greatest dual threat quarterback receiver in Waco flag football history? You know, it's me and you, my guy. You oh know, we had God. a couple, you know, we couple won a couple rings. <laughs> oh, my. oh, my God. But uh, his other question was, what songs did you use for the custom sound, stadium sounds in NCAA football? Now, I couldn't remember what I used for specifically NCAA, but I know the first song I put on Xbox 360 when I learned how to put songs on there was T.I. Uh, what You Know About That or, mm-hmm. or What You Know. That was the first song I ever put on Xbox. Mm, wow. <laughs> it was like T.I. for sure when I started burning CDs and stuff. Did you ever use that? Custom song? No, I never added anything to that. Like yeah. nothing. Like I just wasn't. Yeah. I don't even listen to, to the sounds of the game when I'm playing. The only time I listen to the sounds of the game is like if it's a shooting game. I need to hear footsteps. Somebody's creeping up. On What's me, funny is Keith, Keith, we all lived on the same floor freshman year. Uh-huh. And uh, one of the first times I met Keith was... We had met, I think we were just talking about NCAA in general. And I told him what my Xbox name was. And he had saw me on the, there was an NCAA game that had like the rankings per team. Like, mm-hmm. it, like you chose a fan of your team or you chose the team to be a fan of. And they would rank players based off the favorite team. So I was like one of the top Baylor players and he was up there too. And that's nerd. how he recognized me. <laughs> Definitely nerd moment. And also when my NCAA broke, Keith let me download is on my hard drive. So shout out to Keith for that again. <laughs> Sounds we amazing. always have Keith uh, on the show at some point with his oh, music, yeah. his business. The man of many talents right there. Kitchen Ninja Services, for sure. So shout out to Keith. Appreciate the question, my guy. Miles, Miles Hill, my guy. He said, is it practical for the NFL to play this season even with COVID-19 protocols, Dane? Practical. Let's break this. Let's break this question down. Good question, Miles. Um, shout out to Miles and CJ. We used to always play backyard football together back in high school. And I mean, it wasn't much of a race, but we would race sometimes, all of us, and Miles would always win. He was much younger than everyone, but he was more than likely the fastest one um, out of everybody. Miles was in eighth grade at the time. When we were all like 10th or 11th or 12th. So yeah. that just shows you how athletic he was. Shout out to Miles. Practical of or concerned with the actual doing or use of something rather than the theory and ideas. If initially before I saw how, well, these are different circumstances, but <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, the, with the NBA bubble, how they're doing it with the testing almost every day. And, you know, the last overall test with the players, they didn't have any positive. So in that case, it's, they're not leaving this particular environment. Right. But for the NFL, it's not in a bubble. So there's always going to be that risk of a player testing positive and, you know, halting maybe the season if a team has to be quarantined. I don't know how that's going to work. Practically, I would say no, because they don't have that bubble that the NBA has, that the WNBA has, that keeps players in one centralized location and – so far as we can see, it's limiting the risk of spreading the virus. So I go no, but hopefully the NFL doesn't have to go through having to shut down the season because that would be horrible. So, yeah, that's what I'm going to go with. Mm. But it's tricky. Yeah. 
Miles, you hit us with a head scratch. I know you hit me with a head scratch yeah. because it's like by answering it, I'm incriminating myself and saying this is not a good idea for us to go through it, but I'm going to watch it. But I've also said within the past few podcasts that it's just it's all about the money and it's still it's all about the money. Yeah. Um, It's not practical. But this is where we're at, unfortunately, with the bright, the, the most brightest and brilliant minds behind the NFL being months away from their season opener and somehow still managed to fumble it Atlanta Falcon style with the way that they're going to carry out safety precautions. So I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Good question, Miles. We'll see how hopefully it man. Yeah. Hopefully it works out. Pray that it hopes out works out well. Yeah, for sure. So appreciate you, man. Thanks for the question. Um uh, our last question is from Maria. Dane, do you remember Maria? Yeah, I remember Maria. What's okay. up, Maria? Maria, hello. I don't even know if she really listens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe she just asked anyway, but we'll answer it. She said, yeah, How did you decide the theme of your show? And were there any other contenders? Uh, that's a very good question. So I know initially one of the name the one of the names that we we're gonna name it was the duo sports and things podcast, but mm-hmm. sports and stuff sounded better. It kind of just rolled off the tongue better. Um, but the duo that's what everyone called Dane and I in high school. Mm-hmm. They just called us the duo because we had, you know, some of the best receiver hands on the team. And so it just, always, and we were yeah, always together in high school. Together yeah. in high school. So that's just the name that was just thrust upon us. And we just, just accepted it. <laughs> we, didn't name, we didn't name this ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the duo came from. And then the sports and stuff part, it was originally sports and things, but sports and stuff just sounds better. And so that's how it kind of came together. But, originally yellow and blue but got input from input from karina and she kind of tweaked it for us so so yeah that's all the questions appreciate it and uh we'll have to do this sometime again soon Throw that every now now and then but appreciate all the questions and appreciate you guys for being a part of the show shout out to y'all and for our put on segment usually we have you know, somebody or someone we like to acknowledge. And, you know, since our last podcast, Dan, we lost John Lewis, civil rights pioneer, um, worked with Martin Luther King, big part of the civil rights movement back in the 60s. And, you know, he's continuing to have his voice heard to the day he died. He lived a, you know, very long and inspirational life. And, um, Passed away from pancreatic cancer. I saw a couple of schools already, a school in Virginia already changed their name to John Lewis High School. So give a mention to him for what he fought for and continued to fight for until he left this earth. And um, along with John Lewis, we lost Reverend C.T. Vivian as well, who was also another close associate of Martin Luther King Jr. You know, and not to get spiritual here, but, you know, they always say God puts you on the earth for a certain amount of time to for a purpose, mm-hmm. you know. And so I felt like for John, he. He always he always put. His objective, like he never let it 
go to the wayside if that makes never sense. Compromise. He was always in the forefront. Yeah, never compromise. So especially in this time with the spotlight on the treatment of African Americans in this country and in the world, you know, what he did and what he continued to do is more important now than ever to continue the fight that he had a long time ago. And we always, on these last few episodes, we always try to um, put that in perspective and continue to, the fight of Black Lives Matter. And, you know, we lost a great one, man. Yeah. Well, the legacy he leaves behind is, is going to be amazing. Uh, is going to be one that continues to impact lives and, and hopefully inspires change um, amongst society. And it's, I'm sure that John Lewis was appreciated by many and loved by many, and we have to continue to honor and acknowledge those while they're still here, you know, give them their roses while they're here. And so we had the opportunity to learn about John Lewis, you know, throughout our lives and in such a way when he was peacefully protesting back in his day, he made being arrested look cool. You know, a lot of the civil rights activists did. So them getting arrested and having uh, being thrown in jail and mistreated for what they're standing up for, the civil rights movement and rights for um, all the disenfranchised people, uh, not limited to just black people, but many people who suffer the same uh, lack of rights. We appreciate you for your sacrifice and we're we're going to continue to help and push your legacy and everything that you stood for and stand for. So shout out to you, John Lewis, and we appreciate you, my guy. Yes. Rest in peace. Rest in power, John Lewis. Um, we also lost Regis Philbin, man. Yeah. Uh, another entertainment icon. Um, man. Who wants to be a millionaire, obviously. And, you know, he had his, his, uh, daytime show as well as well Regis Philbin was like one of the first icons I remember watching on TV growing up like yep. like when I actually started watching TV besides sports um Regis Philbin was one of the mainstays that I always saw on the television so once again he fulfilled you know his life duties as well so shout out to Regis Philbin rest in peace as well dane man we had a great great pod my guy episode 21 it's pretty good it's pretty good in the books shout out to everyone that chimed in on the q a segment oh yeah shout out to those that listen uh shout out to the new sports podcast they gave us a our first rating on itunes um and I really want to get together with those guys, Dane. I got to listen to one of their episodes, and they're they're really funny and uh, very knowledgeable on their topics as well. The the new channel sports podcast. It's in you channel sports podcast, and uh, those guys gave us a great rating on iTunes and. Also, if you're listening, give us a rating as well. That really helps us. Yeah, and that's it helps our podcast get noticed as well to the masses that people that can't reach out and find our show. So, yeah, shout out to the new new channel sports podcast. Shout out to the listeners. Um, if you want to follow us, I am at DFs Right Steps on Twitter and Instagram. 
Dane is at Dane BTX. Our podcast is Duo SNS Podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well. And our website also, the Duo Sports and Stuff Podcast.com, where you can find all of our episodes as well as uh, the donation link if you'd like to give us some ching ching for Vin on Venmo, PayPal, um, and Cash App. Other than that, Dane, anything else you'd like to say to the people? Uh, no. Wash your hands. Uh, keep your distance. Cover your mouth or arm or whatever when you cough, or cover your mouth with your the corner of your arm when you cough and all that stuff. Uh, practice social distancing and just don't do anything reckless, man. You got family out here that loves you. Yeah. You got friends out here that appreciate you. And there's a bunch of people that you haven't met yet that need you and need the impact that you bring. So to ensure that that continues to happen and ensure that that happens, be careful, be safe. And most importantly, let a brother borrow a dollar. <laughs> Appreciate y'all, man. We, we really do. And like we've closed the last few podcasts, I want to say rest in peace to George Floyd. Rest in peace, Breonna Taylor. Rest in peace, Elijah McClain. And all those others that have lost their lives to police brutality. Black Lives Matter, and we continue to fight. It's an everlasting fight. Appreciate you guys. Have a blessed one. Peace.